everyone. Um, if you can have your journals back open or your Bibles, if you have them in front of you, that would be really helpful in this time. Um, Matthew 5. Now, you might notice that we've read this verse out a few times now, and, and partly that's because it's, it's really important that we don't try and separate any one of these verses from the others and just take it in isolation. Yes, we can look to each of them individually, and, but we don't want to remove them from the context. Spurgeon said that together they are like a ladder of light, each growing out of the one before and building upon it. But if we separate them out too much, what we end up with is a, is a to-do list. And we will read this as, des as describing how we are saved. And really subtly, we will start to move and forget that we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. And instead, we will rely upon fulfilling another law, trying to earn our salvation by being meek or by being merciful. Now, if we read these verses like that, then hopefully you can see that we would become the Savior. And it would be by our actions that we are saved. This verse picks up where following the law left us off. Where trying to be our own Savior left us off, poor in spirit, knowing that we are spiritually bankrupt, that we can't measure up on our own. But the good news is that, is that somehow through the gospel, even though we didn't measure up, even though we broke the law and deserved punishment, Christ blessed us. Christ paid the price for our sins and justifies us. To us who are united in Christ, we know that we are blessed entirely because of what Christ has done and nothing to do with what we can do. So when we read through these Beatitudes, we need to keep in mind that these are not how we are saved, but who are saved. Jesus is telling his people, the people whom he has chosen, that they are blessed. So hear this list, not as things to go and do, although you might end up going and doing some of them, but hear them instead as Jesus blessing you, telling you the truth about who you are and your situation, even when it might look differently to you. And so what we want to do is to, is to read through these verses and let them point us to the blessings that we have in Christ, both now and to come, and, let, and then let that reality lead us to worship him. So we're going to start at verse 7 because it brings a bit of a, a shift in the passage. Before this, last week we saw the characteristics of the blessed people here were all internal things. So in your journals, if you want to, you can group those things together. They are hungering. They are poor in spirit. They are mourning. But now in verses 7 to 9, the characteristics also have an outward focus. So now they are merciful, meaning that they are merciful to others. And they are peacemakers, again, making peace between themselves and other people. So all of them having this, this outward consequences, pure in heart there as well, pure in how they viewed and acted towards other people. So in thinking about this, this ladder and the verses growing out of each other, here we see a development from how Christ's people are blessed in themselves and how it affects them to how it affects others too. So we've got this flow, hopefully you can see, from a mindset that focuses upon God to living righteously as a result of that. Their attitude leads to action. And the first part of the attitude described is mercy. Now, when it comes to verse 7, we need to remember that God's people have already been shown mercy 
that, that we, didn't, we didn't get what we deserved because we were on a path to hell. But instead, God, in his great mercy, acted and saved us. Although we stand in that great courtroom, absolutely guilty, with no mitigating circumstances, we leave having been declared innocent. Long before we had the chance to be merciful to anyone, God was merciful to us. So note down here, our being merciful isn't the first cause of that blessing, but it's a result of having been blessed, which leads to more blessing. In that sense, blessed are the merciful. Right now, united to Christ, you are blessed. And God is molding you into his image to be merciful. This doesn't mean that we are merciful just as the world is merciful, but that we are merciful in Christ, merciful because we are united to Christ. So the foundation and motivation for our mercy is in, in who Christ is and what he has done for us. So we aren't merciful by some great act of will or, or because we just judge it to be the best thing to do in the situation. We are merciful because we have been moved by grace and the gospel to see the truth of the situation that simply there but by the grace of God go I. So when we see other people as they truly are and remember who we were without Christ, then our response to them is, is going to be compassion. It's going to be mercy. When people are angry at me, if I can remember that, that before Christ, I was the angriest man in Ireland, and without Christ, I would be the one screaming at them, then how can I hold their actions against them? If you're sick and you get medicine, but someone with the same illness doesn't, you don't look down at them for still being sick. You, you have pity on them. You have compassion upon them. And it's the same with the gospel here. Knowing grace in our lives allows us to extend grace to others. Growing in Christ means that our attitudes lead to action as we move up that ladder. Because we know that we are spiritually bankrupt and poor in spirit, we mourn our sinfulness. We become meek as we know that we cannot trust in ourselves and we hunger after the true righteousness. And then in beholding that in Christ, we can extend that kind of mercy to others. The gospel affects how we view and treat others. Attitudes lead to actions. And we are blessed to see that gospel play out in our lives, reminding us of what Christ is doing in us. So we are blessed by being united to Christ, and that blessing leads us to be merciful as the Spirit transforms us here and now. But we also read that they will receive mercy. On that final day, when Jesus comes again or calls us home, then that mercy will be brought to its completion. That grace and blessing that we have now will be brought to fullness. So we have the, the already and, and the not yet. God's kingdom has come. The spirit lives within us. But we are yet to see God in all his glory as we will do. We are blessed as a people because of what God has done and because of what he will do. So write it down, highlight it because you might not feel it, but in Christ, you are blessed. Moving on to verse eight there. We see that God's people are called to be pure in heart. And again, we need to remember that, that we are blessed by Jesus having purified our hearts. 
that the stain of sin infected all our affections and desires, that we turned our backs upon God, and that alone in our hearts we are corrupt. We were never able to be pure of heart. But by grace, Jesus went to the cross for us. His sacrifice cleansed us of our sin. In baptism, we think about the water as a sign of how Jesus washed away our sins, that his blood purifies us. So when we read about the pure in heart, don't think about someone standing tall and noble, always doing the right thing, an example of someone to follow. Think of someone who is weeping on their knees in joy, that they've been given something that they don't deserve and pointing to the one who gave it to them. The pure in heart are those who, through faith, have been able to turn from themselves and place their eyes upon Christ. Not those who are morally perfect, but those who want to be in response to who Christ is. The purity is symbolizing a total devotion in the heart to Christ. Now, maybe you think that that your devotion isn't total. So maybe you aren't blessed. But we have to remember here that this molding of us by the Spirit is a progressive process. So trust in God. Let Him transform your desires and give you that purity of heart. This isn't something for you to achieve. It's a blessing to receive. So purity of heart is like the faith that Christ gives us to look to Him and let Him be King in our lives, making us able to to see God first through the eyes of faith here and now, but also as a great hope to come. So for those of us who are facing death or or for those of us wise enough to be preparing for it, we need to know that when we close our eyes in this life, we will open them to the glory of God in the next, that we have been given a hope for all eternity, that we will see God. And in a culture that is just terrified of death isn't this a great blessing to know that to die is gain that our lord awaits us with open arms to be focused upon him so that even in the valley of the shadow of death we will fear no evil because he is with us pure hearts orientated to christ know that we will see god not because of how good we are not because we can follow the rules but because God has told us so. We don't just hope to see God. We can have our assurance because the future blessing is ours through Christ. Do you know Jesus? Is he king in your lives? Then you don't have to worry about crossing that veil. If we have an attitude which is devoted to Christ, then when disaster strikes, we look to God and we trust in him. Attitude to action once again as we are blessed by knowing Christ and so act in a way that means that we don't fear the future. It means that we act in wholehearted service to God regardless of what that means for us. It will affect how we spend our money, our time, what we choose to do, what we avoid to do. Maybe that will mean losing a job. In parts of the world, it can mean torture and death. But if we are devoted to Christ, our actions and our circumstances will look very differently from those around us. So take note and remember it, because although it might not look like it, in Christ you are blessed. 
The last part of this little section talking about how attitude leads to action towards others is in verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. It's really interesting, isn't it, that it's peacemakers and not peaceful. The sense here that we're getting is that we are blessed in a way that allows us to bring peace to those around us. And not just peace like we understand things in Northern Ireland, although that's really, really great, but peace between God and man. We are blessed because we have been made ambassadors of the king proclaiming a message of peace. We are sent by the prince of peace to proclaim his good news that he has made a way for rebels to come home and that his shalom is going to reign over the nations. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Or how blessed are those who get to carry this message of joy. We have been given something more valuable than gold and silver. And all the gold and silver of this world. We have been given the gospel message. We have been given something that, 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 that taken, this message that is, says that people have been taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And have been given this role as a mark of who we belong to. We are called to share that light that, was with, that is within us so that others can also become citizens of heaven. Through grace, Christ brought peace between God and man, which means that we can come to him. We have been blessed by the ultimate peacemaker, God himself, with the ultimate peace, God himself. Now, if you look at how sin is portrayed in the scriptures, it always has this contagious effect. It, it spreads and it defiles. You, you couldn't touch something unclean because its uncleanness would, would pass on to you. But when Jesus comes, he goes about touching unclean people. And instead of the sin spreading up and affecting him, his holiness spreads out, pushing back the darkness. His holiness and his glory extends out. For us, when we have been touched by Jesus, called one of his own, we become peacemakers as his glory extends to the world through us. It's not us doing it, but we get to be a part of it. And so as peacemakers, as people who've been called and touched by Jesus, we get to be called children of God. Because we are children of God. The peace that shines through us is the peace of God, his shalom, showing that we've been adopted into his family, made his people. So, believer in Jesus, you are a child of God. God has made peace between himself and you and has adopted you. And just like the others, this blessing will also have another fuller meaning when we get to glory, to be face to face with the Father. We are called children of God now because people can see the adoption certificate. We will be called children of God then because people will see our Father embracing us. You might not know it, but in Christ, you are blessed. Jesus shows us how we are blessed, changes not just our attitudes, but also our actions. A blessing makes us different which starts to mold us into his image, which brings more blessing. So logically, it's going to follow in verses 10 to 12 here what the consequences of us will be when we come into contact with the world around us. So 1 to 6 begins with our attitudes. 7 to 9 builds on that towards our actions. And finally, at the top of the ladder, we see the effects of what those actions are going to be coming to us. Blessed are those 
that are persecuted because of righteousness. Persecuted. Being merciful and and, and peacemakers, that's all so good. Then we think, won't that be great? Won't people love to see us coming? Won't they love us for that? No. No, they won't. The first consequence is that we will be persecuted. And why? Because we have climbed this ladder, because we've been blessed by Christ, because of trusting in Christ's righteousness. Here we see that the peacemakers can't expect peace from a hostile world. The merciful can't expect mercy from a harsh world. We come as light, but for people who are trying to hide in darkness, light doesn't clarify, it exposes. The thief doesn't thank you for illuminating his steps, and this world won't thank you for exposing their sin. Not whilst they're still a part of that kingdom. The blessings that we have been given sets us apart from the world. It makes us different. And that sanctification, that difference, leads to the world viewing us as the other. This isn't holding up persecution as something that we should seek out in order to be more blessed. It's showing us that that suffering is a result of being blessed in this way. The world hated our Lord. They crucified him. And since our blessing unites us to him, he asks us if we should expect that they will be any nicer to us. When you read through these verses, although there's going to be contrast throughout, like like mourning to, to comfort, hungry to filled, verse 10 still seems to shock us. What we are secretly hoping for is that all these blessings will give us an easy life here. That the world will see us as as being really nice and and will just love that we are here. Jesus doesn't give us the option of that fantasy. Look at verse 11. Here Jesus changes his pattern of speech. So you'll note that rather than using the third person, blessed are the, we read, blessed are you. And he also does something in the Greek here that we don't have in English um, where the tenses sort of change. And the effect is to give this sense of summing up. It's like the previous scenes have been a movie where you see each scene progressing up the ladder. Verses 11 and 12 are more like a snapshot of the whole, showing the persecution as a block, as dependent on all that's gone before. And what this does is, is to intensify things, to suddenly make it more personal, showing us the whole picture. It's, it's trying to grab us, to, to shake out of us any part that still thinks of this as some theoretical thought that is only for the future and doesn't have immediate consequences to us now in how we live. Instead, it's, it's something that, that should be connecting with us on a deeply emotional level. When we truly understand this, when we, we truly see that we are blessed, and no matter what our circumstances look like, we can look to Christ with joy. These insults and persecutions are shown to be a sign of the blessing that we have been given to Christ. It's not saying that we should want pain. Just that the blessing that we've been given will make a difference in our lives and that that's not going to be a difference that the world wants to see. The blessing of knowing Christ, of being made new and molded in his image will make us different to the world. It will give us different desires, different values, different ways of living. And the consequence of that is not material comfort here. So although persecution comes, 
it comes as a reminder to us that we have been set apart, that we have been made holy, that we get God, that we are united to Christ, that all our sins have been forgiven, that we have been saved and redeemed, plucked out of the mouth of hell and adopted into God's family, that the God of the universe knows and loves you, that you don't have to hide who you are, you don't have to pretend to be something else, you don't have to complete some task, but that by grace you have been saved through faith, that every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ, that you have the hope of glory. Jesus tells us here to rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Your reward, believer in Jesus, is great in heaven. There is a blessing to come that you will receive, that you have done nothing to earn, but that your good and heavenly Father is going to give to you. Brothers and sisters, we have been blessed. Christ has come. The Spirit lives within us. We have been adopted by the Father. And I know that for lots of us, the mark of that blessing, the otherness that we talked about, the difficulties that are going to come, means that we might not know it. But look to the text. Look at what Christ is telling you. You are blessed. We might not feel it. We might not feel blessed. Maybe the weight of this world is on your shoulders and the enemy is whispering in your ear and your hearts are tempted to despair and the pain is so great that you might just feel abandoned by God. But it's not true. He loves you. He has blessed you. He will bless you. Trust in him. We come together here as a family to remind ourselves of these truths to encourage and build each other up, to point one another to Christ amidst all the rubbish that is going on in our lives. So we come joyous or we come weeping by what's happening around us, but we come to fix our eyes upon Christ and all that he is for us so that the good things in this world pale in comparison to the blessings in him and the present sufferings aren't comparable to the weight of glory that is set before us. We come to cling all the more tightly to the truths that God has for us so that we can really know within ourselves that we are blessed in Christ, that we can look to him as our sure foundation and trust in his love for us. That's why we gather, not, not just now, but, but this evening in midweek, the discipleship groups, why we need each other, why we want you people listening at home to come back, to come and be with us because we can forget these blessings so easily. We are so prone to wander and we need the people around us to point us back to Christ continually. You need someone in your life pointing you back to Christ, reminding you of these blessings, reminding you that you are blessed, that you are united to Christ and just what that means, what it means to be part of God's kingdom, to be part of God's family. We come together to see the kingdom of God come among us and glimpse an image of what it is going to be like on that final day. So that as we walk out of those doors, we can smile and know that we are blessed. I'm going to invite the, the band to come back up now because this blessing of being in Christ should move us to worship, should compel us to respond, should make our hearts sing. So if you know and love the Lord, would you stand with me and respond 
to God's word to us now. And as we sing out, let us remind one another the blessing that God has set before us. Let our hearts be filled with who Christ is and how blessed we are as a people. So let's stand and lift our voices now with the words of let your kingdom come.